This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. Well, is Liz Trust going to survive until the end of the weekend, the end of next week, the end of this month? This morning, the new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, did a broadcast round in which he said this. There were mistakes. It was a mistake when we're going to be asking for difficult decisions across the board on tax and spending to cut the rate of tax paid by the very wealthiest. It was a mistake to fly blind and to uh, to do these forecasts without giving people the confidence of the Office for Budget Responsibility saying that the sums add up. And the Prime Minister's recognised that. That's why I'm here. Uh, and what we need now is for me to show Parliament and the markets that we can make our tax and spending plans add up. That's what I'm going to do. And we will have some very difficult decisions ahead. James, what do you think the impact of that was? So Jeremy Hunt's tone on his morning broadcast round was very different from Liz Truss's press conference yesterday. Liz Truss's press conference yesterday was essentially saying, we've had to lose the Chancellor and we've had to increase corporation tax, but the implication was that everything else stayed the same. Jeremy Hunt was saying, no, 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 taxes are going to go up and spending is going to be cut. He was essentially implying that everything that Liz Truss had said in the campaign was, you know, now under review. Some things were being reversed, like the taxes going up, spending being cut. And even things that are quite far out promises, like the pledge to spend 3% of GDP on defence by 2030, Hunt would not commit to. Now, it was kind of clear that Jeremy Hunt has taken the job on the basis that he thinks he is essentially running the government and making these decisions about what is going to be in this event on the 31st of October, and it will all be down to him. I suspect that the reason Jeremy Hunt was saying all this is there was a feeling in the markets yesterday that Liz Truss's press conference hadn't actually done enough. That yes, quasi thing had gone, yes, corporation tax was going up, but the markets are acutely aware that there is a 60 billion black hole in Britain's public finances, and they, there was still 40-odd billion of it needed that needed to be filled. I think Jeremy Hunt has begun to show how the government might fill it. And I suspect that has bought the government some time and therefore Liz Trust some time. But Fraser, as James made very clear, this is very different to the pitch that Trust was making during the leadership contest, uh, even over the past week. So this isn't Trustonomics at all. This is also not going to go down well with cabinet ministers such as Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, who has been very confident up to this week that he's going to get that 3% and the Treasury have, have just got to do as, as he says, basically. So there is going to be a big power struggle within the cabinet as well, isn't there? Oh, there certainly is. I mean, this is regime change that we're seeing here. Uh, Liz Truss ran for office promising not to increase corporation tax. It now transpires this was a false prospectus. She has been unable to deliver what she promised 
and it seems she hasn't able to deliver much of the rest of it too. One of Jeremy Hunt's allies was saying that the situation now is that he is the chief executive of the government and she is now the chairman, a little mascot, a sort of remnant of, of what might have been. Now, if you're Ben Wallace, you're absolutely furious about this because Ben Wallace had been telling people that not only was he going to get the defence increase in a few years' time, but there's going to be a ramp up. So every year between now and then, he's going to go more and more for defence. And the irony is, of course, that Jeremy Hunt was the one saying that defence needs to be given way, way more money than it is. I don't think anybody was actually more bullish in defence spending than Jeremy Hunt, the leadership candidate. But Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, is putting the brakes on absolutely all of that. So this is a kind of, it seems to be almost the domestic equivalent of an IMF bailout, that you've got somebody coming in to take control of the near bankrupt trust administration and now say to her no you can't do this you can't do that the most important thing now is to balance the books and that's why it was quite significant that Hunt's main message here it wasn't about growth 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 that was Liz Truss's message only last week in Tory conference but now our chancellor is saying here that what I can do is show that we can pay for our tax and spending plans the market wants stability the country needs stability so this isn't about turn which raises the very interesting question about why Liz Truss is still in government, given that her mission has already failed. James, a lot of Conservative MPs are, are asking that question as well, and they've got the weekend to, to plot on WhatsApp, then they'll be back in the Commons on Monday, where they were having a lot of meetings. So just talk us through the different scenarios for the reaction from the Conservative Party, from some of these grandees, the men in grey suits who... Maybe I'll be thinking about the Prime Minister's longevity, her shelf life, as, uh, as one website has got it, as they're monitoring uh, the shelf life of a lettuce next to the shelf life of the Prime Minister. So I think, as Fraser said, Liz Truss is now in office, but not in power. And that might buy her some more time in office. But I think the Tory party is trying to work out what to do. And it faces a choice, as, as one veteran member of it put it to me, between ridicule and death. The ridicule comes from yet another change of leader. Death comes from going into a general election, you know, this far behind in the opinion polls. I think a lot of Tory MPs watched that press conference yesterday that you, you wrote about their reaction to it on Coffee House. And one of them said to me afterwards, you know, can you imagine putting that through a general election campaign in terms of, you know, how would it feel to have events like that day after day during a campaign? But I personally think that Tory MPs at the moment will also be looking to see how the markets react to things because you know she did become Prime Minister less than six weeks ago and that seems hard to believe it does feel longer than that but it is less than six weeks and so I think that you know I think it would take another market moment if you see what I mean to actually trigger Tory MPs to act rather than just to say okay it seems that Jeremy Hunt is going to to, to find some way to do this fiscal consolidation that is needed. I think one other thing to watch is what do those in the Tory party who put Liz Truss into office on the basis that she was against tax rises? You know, she said during the campaign, no new taxes. She ran on, as Fraser said, this kind of, you know, against the corporation tax rise platform. How do they respond to her flipping like this and essentially now letting Jeremy Hunt make all the decisions. I think, you know, the trust Downing Street is basically thinking that the right has nowhere else to go. So we'll have to accept this. That is a, a big political calculation 
given that the Tory right has a, a habit of plotting against Tory leaders or bringing them down if it feels it is broken with their promises to it. And Fraser, what do we know of the, the state of mind of the trust camp? One of the things that I reported on Coffee House yesterday was the demeanour of Deputy Prime Minister Therese Coffey and the call that she made to supportive or apparently supportive trust MPs where they reported back to me that she was sounded broken she you could hear the sort of sense of loss and emotion in in her voice trust has seemed quite bulletproof in terms of her own sort of emotional reaction to this over the past month but surely it must feel like the last days for for them now well, from what I gather, Therese Coffey is very depressed about this, in the way that, say, a loving parent might be depressed if her kid was suspended from school for the third time because she wouldn't listen to, to what the teachers were telling her. I mean, and Liz Truss is saying, look, this is basically fine, I'm carrying on, you know, but Therese Coffey knows that this is the end, that the, the Trust Project has ended. I think her own specialism might be denial and telling herself everything was okay. She might have excelled in that particular regard. But I don't think anybody around her thinks there is anything left of trustonomics, a word which, by the way, I always disagreed with because I think it gives her agenda more coherence than it actually ever had. We only had ever had half an agenda from her. We never heard the other half. It just didn't, it was never complete. So uh, I think if survival is the game now, so survival is victory, that's the, the Dunkirk spirit has, has now entered um, what remains of a trust project. But she is there now, I think, not because of any strength on her own part, but simply because her party hasn't worked out what to do next. Just in the same way that Theresa May was a goner straight after the bungled 2017 election, Liz Truss has effectively been a goner ever since the imploded budget, certainly since she had to lose her chancellor and effectively abandon her pro-growth strategy and get in the, put her government un, under receivership, the receivership of, of Jeremy Hunt. But the Tories will be thinking to themselves, OK, are we really going to give the country their fifth chancellor in three months? That could be possible. Their uh, fifth prime minister in six years? Can we do a unity candidate? Because the Tories I've spoken to are pretty far from unified. Is it really possible that we just get another stitch up and do it all again? So they're all united in thinking that the trust project is over. But none of them are united in thinking what is the least bad option. That she staggers on as Jeremy Hunt's um, hostage. That they replace her with somebody a bit more coherent. Might we, after all, get Rishi by Christmas, one of the options that Katie Bowles has um, outlined in her article for The Spectator? Until they can come to some kind of consensus, then she will stagger on, but not as somebody who represents an agenda, somebody who will represent an agenda that was never properly articulated and was never carried out. I guess a lot of people in the country, James, are now wondering whether we're heading for another general election, how long Liz Truss has got left. Uh, I've noticed something quite striking from conversations with politicians from other parties, which is that they're getting more abuse from their constituents because, once again, as in the Brexit process, Parliament just appears so, you know, politics, Westminster appears so dysfunctional that they're just angry with all politicians for intruding upon their lives so much that, uh, you know, MPs who've got nothing to do with this government at all say they've been sort of shouted at in, you know, in the supermarket, in the pub, in the way that they did during the Brexit debates. So it feels like we're we're heading towards a sort of a political crisis point again where voters might have to walk into a polling station again. 
So I personally think a general election is very unlikely before 2024, because I, I just think Tory MPs can look at the numbers and the idea of finding 35, 40 of them prepared to break with their own party and condemn themselves and so many of their colleagues to defeat is, I think, very unlikely. I think the question for Liz Truss is this, is ultimately, can she satisfy the market? Jeremy Hunt is speaking, it's the weekends so the markets are closed. We, we just don't know what the reaction is. And then can they satisfy the markets on the 31st of October? You know, there is a nightmare scenario for them where they fall between two stools, where what they come up with is deeply politically unpalatable because it is basically a combination of tax rises and spending cuts. But that's still not enough for the markets. At which point, I think the trust administration would be at an end in that scenario. And I think that what is so difficult for them is how do you govern when you are now implementing an economic policy that is, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this, like, that is the literal opposite of the one on which you ran for office and won the Tory leadership. And I think that is just sometimes that is just so inherently unstable doing something like that, but it is very hard to predict it. I also think there's another question, which is, you know, how far does Jeremy Hunt's writ run? For example, we know that Jeremy Hunt is, this might seem a very trivial issue, but it's just an example of the tensions that there are going to be. We know that Jeremy Hunt is a keen advocate of public health policies. We also know that Liz Truss began her party conference speech by announcing that she was ending a whole bunch of anti-obesity policies because she thought these were unnecessary interference in people's lives, like the, the restrictions on buy one, get one free. You know, is his writ purely confined to fiscal policy or can he ask her to change tack on things like that? I think this is this whole idea that his ally, Steve Bryan, promoted. Steve Bryan is very close to Jeremy Hunt. So that, that, I, mean, I think that, that's going to be an important context. But he is the chief executive and the prime minister is the chairman. You know, we saw from Tony Blair and Gordon Brown how unstable that kind of dynamic is. And so I think, you know, but we are in uncharted waters. And I think as Fraser rightly reminds us, you know, it was clear that Theresa May was a busted flush almost as soon as the exit poll landed in 2017. But she was still remained as prime minister for, for quite some time after that. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening. 